Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter served a lot of things in your life, haven't you? Had a lot of masters, but you never had a master like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Kids are dismissed for junior church this morning. take our Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in your Bible. All right, as they make their way out, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's uh, look down to verse number 18 in your Bible this morning, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19, those two verses, what we're going to read as a text this morning for our Message. Let's stand together as we honor God's word this morning, the reading of his word, just two verses. <clears throat> We're becoming familiar with this passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Excuse me, and the Bible says in verse number 18 and 19, for the preaching of the cross is <clears throat> to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of of the prudent. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful, Lord, for your word this morning. Pray that you would minister to each person here, Lord, to each soul here. Lord, uh, our greatest prayer this morning would be that uh, the power of the cross of Jesus Christ 
would be effectual uh, in this place. Lord, that if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, Lord, that, that before they would leave here this morning, that Jesus Christ would, uh, that would, would uh, and His cross would affect a change in their life. Lord, that, uh, that uh, they would come face to face with the reality of the cross. And Lord, it's power to change a life of those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, who exercise their faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Blessed to that end, we pray this morning, Lord, help us to understand this scripture and the nature of, of uh, Paul's encouragement, edification to this church here about the cross. Lord, we need your help this morning, and we pray that you'd be glorified in our midst. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Bible says there in verse number 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I know we've been kind of dissecting this chapter and the different things, the different aspects of the preaching of the cross. Paul said, uh, we preach Christ crucified, and we have uh, spent a great amount of time on that subject, and uh, no doubt we're uh, preaching along the, the same lines this morning, but I want to focus in on something uh, this morning that is um, an important aspect of this preaching of the cross, and that is this, this uh, uh, which is mentioned in verse number 18 that talks about the power of God. How does the power of God uh, relate to the preaching of the cross? What is it about the preaching of the cross that but Paul would make the statement, this is the power of God? And that's what we want to focus on this morning. And I, would, uh, I was reading along, doing some study, and came across this quote. I'm not even sure who said this. Uh, just uh, thought it was a good quote. It says, someone once said, the despair of humanity is the opportunity of God. Amen? The despair of humanity is the opportunity of God. It says, for in Christ crucified we are shown a just God and a Savior. For in Christ crucified we are shown a just God and a Savior. I want to say the first part of that again. I want you to get a hold of that. The first part of that quote said, the despair of humanity is the opportunity of God. So boy, if you look, God, God looked down uh, at, his, at his creation and he saw, the, saw what sin had done. Amen? And he made provision for it. He saw an opportunity there to, to reverse the effects of sin. And uh, he made provision for that to, to take place. You say, what provision did he make? The cross. That's what he made. Amen. It became, uh, it became uh, uh, that which, which would affect the human race in such a way to reverse the despair. To, to, to reverse the despair not only uh, as a whole, the human race as a whole, but in each individual life. Uh, that's really what the cross is all about. The cross is, is, uh, is not about, um, uh, well, I guess in general it would be about the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the making right of sin as a whole, but really more importantly, the cross is about, about uh, the personal nature of God in his relationship with the individual believer, the individual, amen. That's, a, that's where we come to, to focus on the cross, that unless it's, a, it's appropriate in the heart of the individual, unless it's a, it's a uh, accepted by faith in the heart of each individual, it really does, uh, does the, the masses no good, understand. Um, uh, the, the cross is not something that is accepted on a national basis, is, is my point. It's not something that will have an effect uh, on a, in a way on a na national basis as, it, as much as it will in the individual life of each individual person, all right? That's important for us to understand. It, when 
each individual person uh, begins to uh, have that effect uh, upon them by the cross of Christ, then it can begin, the results of that can begin to affect a, a nation, a town, a, a church, or whatever the, whatever the case may be, whatever the group is. But really the cross is about you and Jesus. Amen? It's about me and Jesus. Uh, and, and that's the most important aspect of it that we need to get a hold of. It's about the power to change a, a life. And that's what Paul was talking about here. So the despair of humanity is the opportunity of God. That is, we see uh, God really for who he is in the cross of Jesus Christ. We see him, we, we see his very nature, we see his person, we see, we understand something about God uh, because of the cross that we may not have understood had it not been for the cross. In fact, there would be no opportunity to understand it had it not been for the cross. There is no better example of the nature of God as he relates to the individual, as he relates to uh, uh, his creation of a human being and the human being's uh, 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 despair, a human being's uh, uh, condition in sin, there's no better example of the nature of God as it relates to that human being than in the person of Jesus Christ hanging upon a cross for man's sin. We see something there about God that we see nowhere else in Scripture, that that is the, that is the uh, God exemplified in his personal relationship with man. The cross is, the Bible says, the power of God. I began to look at that uh, word power. What does it mean? What, what, is, uh, what does Paul mean by the cross being the power of God? He said there's something interesting. He said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Those who are perishing, those who are, who are, are, uh, are continuing to uh, reject the Lord Jesus Christ, though the condition that they're in, lost, without Christ as their Savior, uh, they may look at the cross and they, they, they reject it, they, they think it is something foolish. And he said, that is true, that those who are perishing, they think this cross, this business about uh, Jesus Christ being crucified is foolish. We saw that in the life of people in the Gospels when confronted with it, in the life of people where, where uh, 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 when Paul preached throughout the book of Acts, we had men of, of great renown even in the book of Acts who, who the Bible, he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian, right? He couldn't, uh, he couldn't quite make the decision. Uh, he, he, another one said, uh, come back at, another, at a convenient time and I'll hear thee again. And, and we, we, uh, we see men confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and coming right up to the point of making a decision then rejecting Jesus Christ because they just can't quite get a hold of how this message, this act of, of sacrifice uh, now 2,000 years ago could somehow affect a change in their life. They see that, that it's somehow foolish, and yet God says it's by that very foolishness that, is, that results in the salvation of those that believe, uh, because it's not about reasoning. It's not about, uh, not about understanding the ins and outs, the details of how God um, uh, affects a change in a person, but more about accepting it by faith. Amen. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, there's no way that I could possibly stand here this morning and proclaim to you uh, how the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses men from sin. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago cleanses my sins. I don't know how it worked in 1990, in May 10th, 1990, when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I have no idea uh, the physics of it, the spiritual nature of it. I don't know how that happened, but I believe by faith that it did. Amen? I believe by faith that it did. I couldn't begin to explain to you the, the, the nature of that, of that atonement. 
can't even begin to explain to you uh, how God uh, in His infinite wisdom came up with that method for atonement. Do you realize that? Nobody's ever, you, you think about that for a moment. You look back and look, look back through eternity and say, how did God come up with that method that, that, that His own Son would have to die in place of, of a sinner and shed His own blood and that that method would be the, the, the choice that God would, would make to use to redeem mankind? How is it that God even came up with that? I don't know. I can't begin to even describe what was going on with God, nor do I want to even attempt to go there. Amen? I can't even begin to go there. Cannot, hey, his thoughts are not as our thoughts, and his ways are not as our ways. Amen? But I know what he said in his word, and I know that if I'm going to have eternal life, I'm going to have to believe what he said in his word. Amen? By faith. The reason that I believe God went that route, just for speculation purposes, was because it doesn't make any sense to you and me. Amen? It's not something that you would have ever thought of. And therefore, you can't take any credit for it. Amen? It's not something you can even make sense of even after you know that it's happened in your life. But it has happened. The power of God. I began looking at that word power and say, what is this word power? Why does he call it the power of God? And I looked at the definition of this word power. It's an interesting word. There's a lot behind it. And if you do, uh, do your diligence to study it out, I think it'll be a blessing to you. But let's uh, look at it this morning a little bit. The word power, the first definition comes up is the idea of strength or the ability to affect change, uh, um, uh, that, you, that it produces strength. This, this, uh, the cross is something that is, that is powerful. It's strong enough to, to uh, enable to affect change in a person's life. That's the simple definition, strength, power, or ability to affect change. Uh, it, it is, it's no coincidence, I believe, that the word that's translated power in our Bible, believe it or not, is the same word that we use. That If we were to translate, we could translate that word into the word dynamite in the, in the English language. That's the same word. I think it's dunamis or dunamis and something like that in the Greek. I, well, I'm not a, not a Greek scholar, nor do I care to be. I just, that's the word. It's, it's the same word that if you had it and you wanted to translate a number of different ways, you could translate it power, you could translate it dynamite the same word. I thought that's interesting, dynamite, right? Dynamic. We talk about the, the word dynamic, that which, uh, that which uh, has affected a change. Uh, and dynamite was an interesting thing. And I said, wow, the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, really, when you get right down to it, he's the greatest teacher that we have. And don't ever forget that. We can go to all the different books that we have and the commentators that we have on the shelf and in our computer and look and study. And what, what we realize many times is if you just go back to the scriptures in front of you, the Holy Spirit's the greatest commentator that you could possibly ever imagine. And I looked at this passage of Scripture and realizing, and I'd known from the past that that word was the same word for dynamite, and I thought, started thinking about that, dynamite. Boy, I know what dynamite does, amen? If I want to, uh, if I want to uh, dig in the side of a mountain and mine for gold, I get some dynamite and I put it in a hole in the side of the mountain, I light it on fire and blow the thing up, right? Dynamite destroys things, right? That's what it does. It destroys things. Want to clear a path in, the, in a mountain to put a, a, a railroad track through? You use dynamite and you blow the rock to pieces, right? You, you completely uh, obliterate the rock with what? With dynamite, with, with this explosive. 
I thought about that in terms of how God uses this word to relate to salvation, what happened to salvation. But dynamite has to do with destruction. And as the Holy Spirit began to teach this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 by the Apostle Paul, watch what he does. Watch what happens with this illustration of dynamite and what we know dynamite does. Look at verse number 19. Look at the greatest teacher that could possibly teach and what he says in verse number 19. The power of God, he says in the end of verse 18, the power of God, then he goes on to verse 19, for it is written, I will do what? Destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to what? Nothing, the understanding of the prudent. Say, what does dynamite do? It destroys, it brings to nothing things when you blow stuff up with dynamite. Amen? When an explosion happens, you, you once had a boulder there and you put some dynamite on it and you blew it up and now it's not there anymore. It destroyed it. It brought it to nothing. And here we have this word as it relates to the cross of Jesus Christ, the power of God. You say, how does that relate to, to the cross though, the idea of destruction, the idea of, of bringing to nothing when the Holy Spirit teaches that? What does he mean by that? Well, do you understand what the cross really does? Think about what the cross really does. When, when, a, when a man hears the preaching of the cross, when, the, when he's confronted with, the, with, the, with the, the, the Savior, amen, when he's confronted with Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, what happens there? Do you realize that the cross destroys or brings to naught every obstacle that man can muster up or think of? Every single obstacle that man could, could throw up and say, I can't, uh, I can't get saved, you realize uh, uh, the cross destroys those obstacles. It completely brings to naught. I don't care what your rationale is. I don't care what your thoughts are. I don't care what excuse you bring. The cross takes care of all of them. Amen? I can't get saved right now. I'm too, I'm too bad to, to, to get saved. You know, I, I, I can't get saved. I'm too wicked. I'm too, too evil. You're, you're more evil than sin itself. You're more evil than, than, the very, than sin exacting its true price. You're more evil than, than, than the, the very nature of sin itself because the Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross and said, I am a worm and no man. Amen? Destroys your excuses. Amen? Destroys your excuses. It renders useless man's reasoning. It renders useless man's notion of self-achievement. You say, well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take care of my own salvation. Really? The only acceptable way to be saved is to have the penalty of sin paid for. So if you want to try to take care of that yourself, then by all means, go ahead. I guarantee you for all eternity, you're going to still be paying and it'll never get taken care of. The cross of Jesus Christ completely brings to nothing that idea, amen? Destroys that idea. You can't do it yourself. Only Jesus Christ could do it on the cross. He was the only one. Dynamite, amen? There's power in the cross of Jesus Christ. They may not even realize, you may not even think about it very much, but there's power in it. You're out there thinking today, Maybe you're here and you're not saved today. You're thinking, how am I going to get saved? How am I going to be reconciled to God? And you've got all these things going on in your head about how you think you can do that. And, and the, the cross tells you there's only one way. The Bible says there's only one way. It's the cross. The only way, the only place that that, that power is affected is in the, in the cross of Jesus Christ. You come face to face with the cross. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. It doesn't matter what you think of. To come up with a way to get to God, to be reconciled to God, the cross destroys that. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. 
You think you got it figured out? The cross destroys that. You have to come humbly before God to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ, and that is where you find the power to make change. And God's the one that does the changing. There's also something else about the word power here in the cross. Another definition of the word is inherent power. That is the power that's residing in a thing by its very nature. Right? The power residing in something by its very nature, uh, uh, or which a person or thing exerts and puts forth. Uh, uh, that is, by its very nature, the cross by its very nature, by its very core, affects change. And you say, how does it affect change by its very core? Well, I began thinking about that and, and, and realized that the cross, because of what it is, it demands change. It, it demands it. It demands that a man examine his own condition. You don't even have to... <laughs> Do you realize that people get offended at this symbol that's right here on the front of this pulpit? Oh, yeah. You don't even have to say anything. You don't even have to say anything. Jewish people... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, it stirs something in people. Right? You don't even have to say anything. They see a cross and they know what that means. That, 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 is, that is like putting the, the crucified Savior right in their face. And it demands that they make a decision. That's why they don't like that symbol. That's why they don't like it when the cross of Jesus Christ is preached. Because the cross of Jesus Christ, by its very nature, demands that they come face to face with who they are and realize that they are in need of that. They are in need of the one hanging on the cross, that they cannot affect the change on their own, that they must rely completely, wholly upon Him, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the cross demands by its very nature. Go out and talk to 10 people this afternoon, and uh, 10 lost people, and, and do nothing but preach to them Jesus and the cross, and watch how people begin to, to squirm when you begin to, when you begin to put, put the cross in front of them and, and, and confront them with the, the reality of their condition. Watch them. By its very nature, its very core, it affects change. It demands change. It demands that a man examine his own condition and see himself there, hanging on the cross, paying the price for his sin. You realize what the cross does? It demands that you look at it and see the true payment for, for sin and realize that the reason that the Lord Jesus Christ had to go there and hang on that cross and suffer the, the, the wrath of God and, 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 and uh, uh, the payment for sin upon that cross is because you deserve that. It makes you take a real good look at yourself and say that, you know what, that, was, that should have been me. And people don't like to look at themselves that way, Amen. People don't want to come to grips with the fact that that should have been them hanging on the cross. That that sacrifice was vicarious. He should have never had to hang there. When he said, I'm a worm and no man, you know who the real worm is? You and me. Amen. And yet he became that for us. And when you're confronted with the cross, the inherent power in the cross, by its very nature, it says to man, hey, let me say something to you. You're a worm. Amen. And no man. That's what you are. And you deserve to hang here, yet he did it for you. But you have to come to the point where you admit that, hey, you know what? I'm the one that should have been there. That's what the cross demands. I'm the one that should have been there. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Amen. Just as Brother Scheidbach preached to us, you need to see yourself as that that's hanging on the cross with him. 
That's what happened that day. If you, if the cross has been appropriated in your life, if you by faith accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it is only because you've realized that you hung there that day, that he hung there in your place, but you're in him, and you were crucified that day as well. Paul talks about sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, amen? That's what that's about. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the flesh, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I've told you before, I use the illustration often, you can get no better deal than that. Amen. You change your sin for his righteousness. He hung there in your place that day. He took upon sin, upon himself. He made him to be God. The Father made him to be sin for us so that he might be able to give you his righteousness. The only way that that could have happened was, was by the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross. The, and that cross, that, 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 uh, that cross uh, has inherent power in it because it demands that man accept Jesus for who he is and come to grips with who, who man is and, and admit that at that point when they come in contact with the cross. It, the very nature of the cross demands it. There's not a person in here who's ever truly been born again, who's ever been saved, that has not come to that point where they realize that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ took upon himself that which you deserved. The cross demands that you face that. I want you to see something else about this word power. The word power could also mean power to perform a miracle. It's that kind of power. You say, what kind of power is that? Supernatural power, amen? amen? Supernatural power. It has the power to do the supernatural, to do that which you could not do yourself because you don't have any power beyond that which is natural power, amen? But God has power that is supernatural power. That which men could not do on his own, which man could not do on his own, it takes a man, you say, what does it do? It takes a man from death unto life. Anybody here been able to raise themselves from the dead lately? Amen. That's what the cross will do. Amen. Crucify that old man and give you new life. There's not a person here that could do that on their own. Takes a man from death into life. Born of the Spirit, the Bible says in John chapter 3. Turn to John chapter 3. Look at this story. John chapter 3. In fact, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning there and read the, this story and see how Jesus presents this to Nicodemus. The Bible says in chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. 
Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. One of the things that Jesus is trying to point out to Nicodemus here is that uh, man is incapable of this second birth because that which happened upon this second birth is something that is done by the Spirit. Amen? It is something that is completely out of the control of man. It is something that man has to receive. Amen? It is a, a birth that man has to receive. By the way, I just would say to you, you didn't have a hand in either one of the births. Amen? You didn't have a hand in the first birth or the second birth. Anytime that there's something birthed, if you're the one that has, that's happened to, you didn't have a hand in it. You were a part of it, but you didn't, you, you didn't have the power to, to, to cause that to happen, okay? Uh, the first birth, uh, you had no control over that, that physical birth. And the second birth, you have no control over that either. That is all done by the Spirit of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's all done by the Spirit of God in the life of a believer, in the life of a, of a man, to, to cause him to become a child of God. Uh, the Bible says, can a leopard change its spots? Does it not? There's a passage there in the Gospels. I didn't put it in my notes. I, I'm probably going to misquote it, but uh, you're probably familiar with it. It says, uh, it says can any man, uh, uh, by taking thought, add one cubit to his stature? Is that what it says? Something like that. The point is, is that can you just by, can you think real hard and just grow yourself a little taller? Amen. <laughs> Well, that would be nice. Some of you more than others, right? You'd want to do that more than others. You're going to be out there thinking real hard. to say, can, you, can you do that? I'm not, Try not to look, Jamie. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but can, can anybody do that? Can anybody add, add one stature, well, you know, one cubit to their stature? No, the point is that you have no way to change the, who you are, your nature, that is who you are. That is, that is your identity. That, that is how God created you. You have no, no control over that. God's the one that made you like that. Amen? God's the one that made us like that. A leopard can't change his spots. He has no ability to do that. Do you have the ability to make any change to the very nature of who you are? And the answer, of course, is no. It's the work of God and God alone. You realize that the Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hey, whose work is it that took place when you got saved? It was the work of the Holy Spirit of God in you. It had nothing to do with you. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. To them gave you power to become the sons of God. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, watch, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. They were born of God. The power that, that takes place in you is a supernatural power. It's a power that, is, that in fact uh, uh, is a, a miracle working power, a power to do the supernatural that you could not do on your own. Incapable, you're completely incapable of affecting any kind of change for eternity in your life. The only way that could happen is by the cross. You come to the cross, that's where the supernatural power takes place. No other way. I don't want you to see another one here. Moral power. This word power has to do with moral power. In fact, the word actually means excellence of soul or that which can produce excellence of soul. That's an interesting thing. Excellence of soul. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The cross of Jesus Christ is the power of God. It's that which can produce excellence of soul. It saves the soul from the bondage of sin. It restores 
and restores it to a perfect relationship with the Father. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I always found that word interesting in the middle of that verse. Behold. Behold. That one simple little word almost implies that, you know what, it was a, it was a supernatural work, work of God. Uh, my daughter, Ella, she does this uh, little thing, you know, kids, kids get that, you get, when they start three or four years old, they start, they, they hear about magic and things like that, and they, you know, abracadabra and all this kind of stuff. She says, magical voila. <laughs> She'll just be going around the house and something will happen, you know, whatever. She'll eat, she'll finish the last bite on her plate and she'll say, magical voila. And she'll turn and say, look at the plate. It's dis- you know, everything's gone. Magical voila. I thought about that when I saw that verse. I said, behold, all things are become new. Amen? It's almost like magical voila. All things are become new. Right? It's not, there was no work that took place on your part. Amen? Not, not, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not equating the power of the cross to magic. Okay? I'm simply saying to you the idea there is, ta-da! Amen? It's all work of God. You had nothing to do with it. Amen? It just all of a sudden one day when you believed, behold, all things are become new. And the only thing that can do that is the power of God. Amen? The power of God. Unless you thought that there was some kind of process that you went through. Some kind of process you went through to be saved, there wasn't. All of a sudden one day you were walking along there and you were confronted with the gospel and you believed and behold, now you're a child of God. That fast. Faster than that, amen? Faster than that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The cross has power to effect a change in your identity. That is who you are. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 28, I'm sorry, verse number 39, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39. Bible says, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Amen? Believe to the saving of the soul. Say, what did it take for my soul to be saved? What did it take for a change to be effected in my life? What did it take? It took belief in the cross. That's it. The moment you believed, behold. The moment you believed, magical voila. Amen? The moment you believed, the moment, you understand that? The moment you believed, God gave you salvation. There's nothing you have to do to get it. The cross has power to affect a change in your identity, immediate change in your identity. You know, the world's out there trying to make a change. They're trying to make changes in their identity. You go off to your psychologist because you, you're looking for some kind of change in your identity, right? Looking for somebody to affect some kind of change. Somebody help me, please. I got to change. I'm going down this path. I got to change. You go to your, you know, to the guru. You go to the psychologist. You go to, you go to the self-help clinic. You go to all over, all the people are going, oh, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars helping somebody to help them to change who they are. 
And you could go to the cross and be changed in a moment, amen, for, for free on your part, amen. Cost Jesus a lot. Hey, to you, the cross is a whole lot cheaper than those self-help books, amen. Cost Jesus a lot. But he'll change you for free if you just accept it. Has the power to change. The power of God. The Bible said there, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But in us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's very dynamite of God, amen? That which, that which can destroy the wisdom of the wise, that which can bring to nothing the understanding of the foolish, the prudent, excuse me, that which when man comes and tries to throw his reasoning and his philosophies at it, it just completely obliterates it and says, hey, you can do whatever you want, but the reality is you're going to be confronted with this, that Jesus Christ hung on a cross for you because that's what you deserved. And you're going to at some point in time have to make a decision. You realize there's no middle ground. There's either rejectors or acceptors. And until you accept, you're a rejector. Amen? Until you accept, you're a rejector. Say, so, well, I was under conv conviction of the Holy Spirit of God for two months before I got saved. Well, every single day that you were under conviction until you actually accepted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you're a rejector, and you would have died and gone to hell had you, had you died before you accepted Christ. Because there's no in-between. There's no in-between. Paul preached to that leader, and he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He wasn't kind of an acceptor. He was a rejecter still, amen? And maybe you're here today and you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. May I say to you, you're a rejecter. And the Bible says that you're in unbelief right now and until you believe, you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire if you were to die today. You have to accept Jesus Christ by faith. You have to call on him by faith. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, that he is Lord, amen, and he is alive today, that he went to cross for your sins, that if you don't believe that by faith, right now you're a rejecter. There's no in-between. You say, well, I'm in this kind of gray area. I'm on my way to believing. No, you're either believing or you're rejecting. Get that. Get that. You're either born again or you're not born again. There's no in-between. Where are you this morning? The cross has been preached and it demands that you make a decision. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. This morning, Lord, the power of the cross. Lord, there's more. We're going to look at even more tonight. But Lord, the power of the cross. Lord, even now, the, the cross of Jesus Christ demands that we make a decision. Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that, Lord, your, the, the, the power that is in the cross of Christ is just standing at the ready to make a change in somebody's life this morning. Lord, there's somebody here that, that knows that they need to make the decision to trust Christ, to call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. Lord, I pray that that would happen even today, that they would stop being a rejecter in unbelief and start being an acceptor in belief the cross might be applied to their life, the power of the cross might take effect in their life and that even today they would go from death unto life. Lord, use this time of prayer and invitation for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.